Welcome to the Create Joy Podcast, where we believe that we have the power to create joy every day. Yes, even when times are tough. Life is not without challenges, but we have the power to keep those trials from bringing us down. Research has shown that only 10% of our happiness depends on external circumstances, leaving a whopping 90% of our happiness coming from within. This means that 90% of my happiness is dependent on me breaking down the barriers in my own mind and life that are limiting me from feeling joy. I don't know about you, but I am excited about the map that I can control. This is very encouraging in my own quest of creating joy in my own life, and I am excited about figuring out how to do just this. Join me as we work to discover and break down the barriers that are limiting us from creating joy in our own lives and in our communities. I am your host, Katrina Gandara. Let's get started. Guys, welcome back to episode two of season three of the Create Joy podcast. So remember this season, what I am trying to do in my own life and sharing it with you, of course, is to identify and break down the barriers that are preventing us from uh, feeling joy. So the first barrier that I wanted to attack is that of resisting trials, something that I think we all do on one level or another. So let's get started with a story. Uh, Summer is now in full swing and it's looking to be a little bit different this year since travel plans are canceled in our house at least and the local activities are very limited. So because of this, my mind keeps wandering to last year's vacation in the beautiful beaches of Cancun, Mexico. Now everyone in my family loves the beach. They love the big waves getting pushed around, sand in their hair, sun on their face, the whole experience. I love the beach because my husband takes the kids so I get to have some alone time on the sand all by myself reading a good book. This is usually where you will find me when the family goes to the beach together. Occasionally the kids will, always the kids will ask me to join them. Occasionally, usually I will politely decline and go back to reading my book. But occasionally I will say yes. Like um, this last beach trip to Cancun uh, when I decided to try and compete for the role of the fun parent or maybe it's because it was unbelievably hot outside. So I jumped in the water with my family. So I grew up on a lake, not really on the lake, but like we lived in a real house uh, with a foundation and everything. But Really, we spent most of our time at the lake, or at least it felt like it. So while I have a lot of experience in the water, I only have a little bit experience with the flow of ocean waves, even into my 30s. I am almost embarrassed to share this story, but it illustrates a point. So you're welcome for the entertainment. So this time in Cancun, I jumped into the water and Cancun doesn't have the biggest waves of all the world, but they're decent sized, right? Um, I jumped in with my kids and my husband with the normal, you know, entering the water experience. The water was cold. The water was salty. Uh, you know how it goes. So I know that this is no surprise to you, but something that happens in the ocean that doesn't happen on a lake is these like giant waves. And there are a lot of them and there is no end in sight. They just keep coming and coming and coming. So once I got deep enough into the water for the waves to, you know, get above my head after... 
uh, getting a good taste of salt water in my face, I realized that if the waves were going to keep coming, I was going to have to try to avoid these waves, um, like hitting my face or I would get hit over and over and over again with salt water. And I just didn't like that. So, um, since I didn't want it, I devised a plan that I thought was pretty brilliant or maybe I just wasn't thinking you can decide for yourself. So as I would see each new terrifying wave come in a panic, I would like jump, you know, I would like get my little toes on the ocean floor and jump up and try to get over the wave to avoid getting slammed in the face with this really gross salty water. Um, but with my limited uh, wave jumping experience, I would usually miss. I wouldn't quite get it the right way or I wouldn't jump high enough. And I would get salt water in my face, this thing that I was trying to avoid. Um, occasionally, I would get it just right and the wave would pass by uh, all fine and dandy. But then, as we learned from Sir Isaac Newton, what goes up must come down. Uh, gravity was playing its role as well as, you know, a lower water level since the wave had just passed. So um, I would jump up, avoid the waves, the water volume under my feet would change, and I would come crashing down on the ocean floor, often with a foot or two of water above my head, filling my nose and eyes with the salt water that I was trying so desperately to avoid. So after what felt like an eternity of torture with me trying my hardest to avoid these waves that were coming, whether I liked it or not, my husband pointed out that I needed to do one little thing <laughs> to solve this major problem that I was having. Um, and that was to lightly lift my feet off the ground when the wave came. This would allow me to ride up the wave and come back down in a soft and peaceful manner with no salt water being shoved up my nose or into my eyes. It sounded way too easy to be true, but my current plan was obviously not working, so I tried it anyway. And to my surprise, it worked like magic. So these big scary waves would come at me and we would do our thing together and the waves would move on until it crashed against, crashed against the shore and subsided just in time for me to prepare for the next wave. That same summer, I took a couple more trips to beaches with big waves. And guess what? The trick still worked even in all these different places. So while learning this super helpful beach trick, I could not help but reflect on how this principle applies to our own lives and the trials that we are inevitably going to go through. Those trials are coming at us whether we like them or not, uh, which we usually don't. Sometimes we have time to catch our breath and sometimes 2020 happens. <laughs> Since there is really nothing we can do about these trials coming, we need to learn how to work with them. But before I go into lessons learned, I have another water story for you. Um, I promise this is going somewhere. So remember, I mentioned that I grew up on a lake. It was really more like a teeny tiny pond, if I'm being honest. Uh, but there was water and there was a boat and it was fun. We were usually some of the only ones at the lake. So when there would be another boat on the water, we were pretty bummed because uh, there would probably be some waves interfering with our water sports. We got pretty picky about that. But we had to learn how to work with it, obviously. So the way that waves work on a lake is um, the boat displaces water behind it in a V-shape. And this creates a wake behind the boat. And then this wake ripples out into waves until the ripple eventually subsides, right? It dies off. Um, they will die off 
But while they last, there's, again, really nothing you can do about it. So just like in the ocean, they're going to happen whether you like it or not. But unlike the ocean, they are going to go away after they've run their course. So if you're trying to have a calm ride at the lake, you are going to want to get past these waves as quickly as possible. Obviously, on a boat, you need a different approach than uh, just (laughs) lifting your feet uh, because a boat doesn't have feet. Last I checked. Um, so this is what I learned about getting past these waves on a boat. So let me see if I can explain this accurately or if it makes any sense. But what you want to do on a boat, whether you're pulling someone or not, is to get over those waves as soon as possible to get to the smoother water in the middle, the calmer water that the other boat has helped create, um, while also creating these waves. You can try to go slow and approach from an angle or, you know, the side of your boat, Um, and let the waves hit this side of the boat, essentially pretending that they aren't going to affect you. But what this does is it leads to some pretty harsh rocking of the boat, and it lasts a while. You have to wait for each wave to hit you, rock the boat around while it moves to the other side, and then move on just as the next wave is meeting up with the boat. Um, Everything gets shaken around a bit. You're going to want to be sitting down for this um, as you will likely lose your balance. Another option is facing these waves um, head on. Deal with a few jolts as you're going to experience while going over them and then get into the middle where life is a little more enjoyable. Using this approach, you are going to experience some higher highs and lower lows, but the experience is going to be over a lot quicker. And honestly, it's a lot more fun. Depending on the intensity of the waves, you may need to slow down to avoid some painful bumps in your low lows or maybe it makes sense to just speed through it to get over it faster but if your goal is clear and you're set in the right direction you're gonna um, be quickly on the path with calm water once again Um, so hopefully that made sense and thanks for bearing with me with my water talk now let's talk about what life has to do with water you You might see where I'm going with this by now, but I see a clear analogy between waves and trials. Our trials usually come in waves, and there is usually not a lot externally that we can control. Just like there is literally nothing we can do to either in the ocean or in the lake to stop these waves from coming at us. What we can control is how we respond to them. Sometimes the way we respond to them uh, doesn't make a lot of sense in retrospect, and sometimes they actually make our problems worse. Here are some ways I have chosen to respond to trials in the past. And as you'll see, um, some of them aren't the best (laughs) choices. And if I'm being honest, though, uh, I might continue to do these, make these same choices in the future. So uh, choice number one, I've tried to ignore them, pretending that they aren't happening and ride alongside them, just like on the lake, getting pushed around from side to side. Spoiler alert. Um, ignoring them did not make them go away. Number two, I have tried to outsmart them and jump over them. Just like the beach in Cancun, guess what? (laughs) I couldn't hide from them. They came whether I liked it or not. Uh, Number three, I have whined and complained (laughs) and played the victim. And this honestly just created a miserable situation and the problem didn't go away. It just made it more miserable. Four, I have chosen to face them head on with faith and determination, giving me a reason to exercise my problem solving muscles and finding newfound strength and skills in the process. 
Number five, I have decided to go with the flow. Focus on the subtle and not so subtle feelings and emotions that the experience brings up in me. Never losing track of my connection with myself and with my higher power and learning what I can do during the ebbs and flows of life. When I have approached my trials this way, I have had some truly amazing experiences that have not only brought a deeper understanding of who I am and what I am capable of, but have also given me a greater understanding of human suffering in general and what I can do to play a part in easing that pain. Now, when it comes to dealing with our own personal trials, I don't know that there are any wrong answers on how to get through them. I don't think anyone should be judging anyone else for how they are enduring a trial. I do think, though, that two of these methods are obviously going to be a lot more effective than the other three. The Count of Monte Cristo is a great movie that my family loves. In this movie, Edmond Dantes is falsely accused by his best friend and receives a horrible punishment, being in prison for 14 years in the Chateau d'If, in the movie and then more time in the book. This experience turns his world upside down. He spent the first part of his confinement in isolation, uh, not really getting much out of his trials, as one would expect in a situation like this, until he met a priest who taught him some invaluable skills that would later help him tremendously. So after finally escaping, he learns that his father died in this time that he was imprisoned and that the love of his life married his best friend, the same one that had betrayed him and caused him so much pain. Sorry if there are spoiler alerts. It's an old movie, so if you were going to watch it, you probably watched it by now. Um, so Edmund decides to use these skills that he learned in order to make a better life for himself, along with the help of a very fruitful treasure map as he worked his way back into the lives of those who he loved and loathed. In one scene, he stages a kidnapping of his former BFF, Fernand Mondego, and Mercedes, um, the love of his life, their son. They're married now. To which the son replies with valor, do your worst for I will do mine. And then Edmond, disguised as the Count of Monte Cristo, sweeps in and rescues him and wins a place in the heart of the Mondego family, who does not know that they know him. So this gets him an invitation to Albert's birthday party, where he ends up giving a toast at the dinner table, where he gives this like super moving speech. Um, in it, he says, life is a storm, my young friend. You will bask in the sunlight one moment, be shattered on the rocks the next. What makes you a man is what you do when that storm comes. You must look into the storm and shout as you did in Rome. Do your worst for I will do mine. Then the fates will know you as we know you. Edmond was no stranger to trials. His life had been a trial, a continuous trial for a very, very long time and continued to be a trial as he came to terms with how life had changed in his absence. But he learned some very important lessons while he faced wave after wave washing over him. What makes you a man is what you do when the storm comes. The storms are coming whether we like it or not. There is absolutely nothing we can do about it. What we can control is how we respond to them. What we choose to do with what we have been handed. We can choose to complain and resist, or we can choose to face them head on, either with speed or with grace, or maybe a little of both, depending on the circumstances. But what we must try to avoid at all costs is suffering. So I hear you saying, wait, what? I'm confused. Okay, so let me explain. 
did you know that you can have problems without suffering? I'm excited to say yes, and here's a formula for you. Suffering equals pain plus resistance. So pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Suffering is something that we actually have control over, and that is through our own resistance. When we resist or try to avoid or try to deny our pain, we are actually creating suffering. Our own pulling back on that problem or jumping when the wave comes or facing them from the side of the boat instead of head on is creating suffering. The way we ignore our problems and pretend they aren't affecting us, all of these are part of resistance and are only adding to our suffering. Sure, it sounds cool and fancy formulas are a great way to uh, use on social media or a great thing to use on social media, but you might be feeling skeptical because, well, pain is pain and sometimes it's just going to suck. And you are right. Sometimes it sucks. But what if it didn't have to? What about all the stories of the people who deal with human tragedy with so much humor What about the people who find a way to use these feelings that they're having because of their unique experiences and focus on becoming better than they were before? What about the people who find strength through their problems and create change in the world? Did they choose suffering through their pain or did they choose to approach it head on and create change? Real positive change. Yes, the pain is going to be there. The anxiety is going to be frustrating. The depression is going to be crippling. The heartache is going to be real. But the suffering doesn't have to be part of the formula. There is a skill to be developed, and that is on feeling emotions deeply and completely. And I'll focus more on that in a different episode. By feeling these feelings, we are giving them permission to exist with us while not becoming our identity. We are choosing to lean into them, lift up our feet and ride the wave and come back down softly. That wave might be the end of it. There might be a string of them like we've seen in 2020, or you might have a trial that is a lifelong companion. But wouldn't it be better to endure these trials without the suffering? Wouldn't it be better if we stopped resisting and focused on growth? Whether you're a member of my faith or not, I think the following story is powerful to apply when going through our own trials. The founding prophet of my religion, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, died a martyr, and he had his own share of trials. While he was in prison in Liberty Jail, I assume he was having a little bit of a whiny moment, and in the process of self-reflection, received the following message from God. I love this passage because it applies to all of us, and I have used it myself while going through some of my own trials. I'm going to read the passage, and if you want to look it up yourself and study it, it is in Doctrine and Covenants, section 122. So he says this revelation that he received. If thou art called to pass through tribulation, which we all are, but I think adding the word uh, called to it adds so much value to the trial. It gives it purpose instead of just being an inconvenience. If thou art in perils among false brethren, if thou art in perils among robbers, if thou art in perils by land or sea, and I'm loving that it brings the water analogies here. It fits right in. If thou art accused with all manner of false accusations, which has been a source of a lot of pain in my own life, uh, just reconciling how is it that I am being punished for the actions of others. If thine enemies fall upon thee, if they tear thee down from the society of thy father and thy mother and brethren and sisters, and if 
with a drawn sword, thine enemies tear thee from the bosom of thy wife, and of thine offspring and of thine elder son, although but six years of age, shall cling to thy garments and shall say, My father, my father, why can't you stay with us? O my father, what are the men going to do with you? And if then he shall be thrust from thee by the sword, and thou be dragged to prison, and thine enemies prowl around thee like wolves for the blood of the lamb. Now, obviously, this is a very specific example, one that happened to Joseph Smith, not a hypothetical situation, but each one of us has these moments that stick in our minds, the moment that when life as we knew it was torn from our hands and we were forced into a different reality, one that we had not chosen to be in. So focus on those feelings, that very specific example that came into your mind, possibly while you were listening to this or something that's that's coming up now, a specific example where you still vividly feel the pain of something that happened to you. And let's keep reading. And if thou shouldst be cast into a pit or into the hands of murderers and the sentence of death passed upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the wide mouth after thee. Know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. This last phrase is one that I repeated over and over and over again as I dealt with my own unique trials. This is for my own experience and it will be for my good, which is not something you always want to hear when you're going through a trial. I think it is similar to the old lady at the grocery store telling you to enjoy these years because you're going to miss them when your toddler is throwing a huge tantrum and you kind of just want to leave, but you also really want to eat dinner tonight. It doesn't feel helpful at all. But what if we can change our experiences by asking, why is this good for me? Why is this for my good? What can I do to use this trial for my good? What can I do in the middle of this experience that future me will thank me for? These experiences are not always going to be for our good just by experiencing them, but by learning everything we absolutely can from them. And that requires action on our part. The section goes on. The son of man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? Therefore, hold on thy way, and thy priesthood shall remain with thee. For their bounds are set, they cannot pass. Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. Therefore, fear not what man can do, for God shall be with thee forever and ever. This last part always brings to my mind uh, the powerful scriptures in the Bible, um, Roman 8.31, that states, If God is for us, then who can be against us? Which I love that thought. I love it, I love it, I love it. Okay, so trials are going to happen to us. Some of them will be our fault. Some of them will be out of our control. What we can control, again, is what is within us. What we can control is the way that we are going to, we are going to approach these trials. And that approach can make all the difference between suffering and thriving. If we break down the barrier of resisting our trials, we can get one step closer to creating joy in our own lives. Hey, thanks for joining me as we explored and worked to break down barriers in our own minds and lives that are limiting us from creating joy. I don't know about you, but I feel super empowered to go out and practice these strategies. 
I would love to hear about what you are doing to create more joy in your own life. You can always find me over on Instagram at Create Joy Podcast, where we have an amazing community of people just like you who are working together to support each other in breaking down these barriers. Come and say hi and become part of this amazing group of people. I'm excited to see you there.